crickets. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. yeah. We were just talking about about wives and the hobby, and and uh, I think the boys might take a the fifth here, but I'm gonna try it anyway. But you know, there, there's an issue with gamers and and families and wives. You know, it's an expensive hobby, and uh, you know, how do you how do you deal with it in a relationship? You know what? You know what? Does it cause problems? I mean, we talked about somebody that the way they conduct themselves. It's amazing that the you know his wife hasn't divorced him yet. Um, but uh, none of us. Know, no, it's not us. Allegedly. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's it's a friend of ours that is not here right now. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. But one of seven eight. And uh, so the, I thought this might be a good topic. Just you know, how how does it work? You know, how how does it? What's what's your philosophy on on managing the wife and, and the hobby? Uh, because most wives are not going to understand what you're doing. And uh, in in my case, she doesn't even try to understand. You know, it's just it's my world. You know, that's that's where our, I can go and, and uh, do my little thing, and and she does, you know, her thing, and, and I don't bother her, and she doesn't bother me. But when it comes to money, that's uh, that's a whole different issue. So we're just talking, so it's not this one's the next one, right? Right, next one. Okay. Well, so. I'll just tell you about mine. I, my wife's awesome. I mean, she will ask me what. I think she even called Chris one year and said, what does Stacy need for his army? Yeah, yeah, so, she did. I can vouch for uh, but she, uh, she, I, and I was just telling the guys, I, I am just now reaching the point where I've actually bought more Flames of War stuff for myself than she has. So, right, yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, but you know, we worked out on the budget. Uh, I got twenty bucks a month. I set it aside. Some months that I don't feel. Yeah, I just put <laughs> it. In, you know, I put it in there. You know, she's got the same thing. It just, uh, it's just. As the, uh, the Dave Ramsey says, it's just blow money, blow it on right. whatever you want. Right. And so, over three months, you know, I got sixty bucks sitting there. Yeah. I'll buy a box of tanks or right. infantry or something, or, or I may spend it on something else, buy the boys something. Or, but you know, it's there, and so we kind of budget for that. So it works out pretty good that way. Um, but um, yeah, like I say, she and I was I tell the guys this story. I I may actually have the very last Fred's box that was ever made for sale by Chris Fritz. Uh, he, my wife actually, I saw it and I was like, oh, this is an awesome box. And I checked it out and he didn't make them anymore. And I thought, well, shoot. So Christmas rolls around. Here's a buy. Here's my present to open. She hands it to me and she's just smiling ear to ear and open it up. And it's a Fritz box. And I'm like, well, where'd you get this? Oh, wow, this is cool. She goes, well, I tracked the guy down and I convinced him to make one more for you. I was like, what? Yeah, I convinced him to make just one more. I was like, she goes, it might be the last one he ever made because he didn't quit making them. I was yeah. like, oh, this is awesome. That's great so. about women. You know, they can get stuff done like that. You know, guy doesn't want to do things anymore. You know, view our eyes said, hey, can you just make us one more? They'd be like, nah. Yeah, yeah but a woman's like, it. can you do it? You know, can you just make one more? Like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> you know, guys are such saps when it comes to that. You know, yeah, so my, so my goal is to actually... Uh, Go to a tournament Chris Fritz is at and shake his hand. And so, anyway, that was that, that's my that's my story there. And it's you know, 
and in retrospect, she doesn't fuss about my Flames War, and I don't fuss about her books. So yeah. she'll know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> but oh my goodness, do we have some books? <laughs> well, I mean, it's yeah, they're you know they have their interests, and we have ours, and and uh, you know as long as you talk about it, and yeah, you know that's one thing you're saying. I do the same thing that when um, you know I want to get something, I may not ask her and just order it, but. Then I go and tell her, so she's not surprised. Where am I going? Am I going right? To the right. Okay. And, uh, you know, what we started doing uh, this summer, which was, you know, kind of like what you did. Um, you know, I did a job where I got some extra money. So I was just like, okay, well, that that's something extra I did. I'm not taking anything out of the, the regular budget, the regular paychecks. You know, that's still all going there. And I'm just going to use that for, like you said, blow money. And I try to string it out as long as I can. You know, just that's that's what I have until next time I do uh, an extra job or something. And um, you know, it, it it's been working out great. That you know, I've had no complaints, no dirty looks. Like you know, um, you got another box of toy tanks or something. You know, uh, so it really helps avoid that whole tension that you could have with uh, with your spouse about, you know, basically buying toys for a grown man. My yeah. wife's cool on the whole toy aspect. She she has her fallout, so I married a gamer, thank God. Yeah, that's different. Yeah, she. But being Japanese, I have to be careful because she knows what models cost. <laughs> so I have to... Like, a lot of times I'll horse trade for... Like, uh, if I have something one of my coworkers wants to say, hey, instead of uh, giving me money or whatever, order this for me. And uh, I can work it out that way. Yeah, so, I mean, it can be a problem in, in the relationship. I can tell you, especially if money's tight or, you know, I mean, you, you've got kids. I remember when my kids were real small, um, I'd, I'd be just terrified that they grabbed my tank and tear it to pieces because they don't know the difference between a, a $20 model and a five-cent tank, you know, that you find in the, the dollar store or something. And uh, so it, 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 you know, caused tension for me with the kids um, to have them near my, my stuff. And I, I don't know, I, I guess I got a little shell-shocked from that. But, you know, now the kids are older. I know they're not going to mess with my stuff. I can talk to them about it or... Now I'm trying to get them to mess with my stuff and play with me, and you know, that's a whole nother battle. So, yeah. Actually, my son saved up and bought a box of plastic solar company uh, infantry, uh, U.S. infantry. We actually made Marines out of it. Uh, huh. I, one of the tournaments, I won a door prize and got the gung-ho book. I gave that to him, and he is he, he wants to make the, make the Marines. Uh, We've got a small, a couple small units made. We just gotta get some bazookas on stands and everything. He'll probably start playing uh, fighting first once we get those put together. So that's probably my next project. That's cool. Yeah. So yeah, that's our. I guess that's everything. We don't want to say too much, but uh, I don't think we've done any. I, I know I haven't done anything to get me in trouble about it, except you know if I were to tally up all my flames of war over the past how many years I've been doing it and added up the cost uh, I don't 
I would be sick probably, not just my wife, but yeah, it's like no. but it's it's a slow burn, you know. It's you know you spend thirty dollars here, ten dollars there, fifty dollars there. Well, it's, it's like Warhammer forty k, the most appropriately named game in history, because it does 40K. feel like forty k when you finish. Yeah, really. That's that's and it's going up and up. Oh lord, no. Uh, was, At least the bright side of Flames of War is like the models you got, and in a lot of cases in Warhammer too is. Those are the same models you'll use for the next time. It's just like the books may change, but the models won't. Yeah. All right, so that's yeah. uh, that's a little snap session there of the podcast. All right. Now we're getting back into, yeah, first, getting back to the wives thing for a second. Uh, There's a great point uh, you guys are making that the wives have their stuff too. You know, they do their thing. They buy their hobby, whatever. And I think... Great relationships allow for that each side to do that because it gets you centered. You know, I think it keeps the relationship stronger because you're you're doing your thing and then you come back to the relationship and it's I don't know it just it, it does something that at least in my relationship helps out a lot that I have the freedom to do that and she has the freedom to do her things. So, but we're talking about uh, also getting money. You know, we've got old things. You know, Stacy was saying that his wife has books, and he has these old Star Wars books. You want to say? Yeah, I've got some old Star Wars books sitting on the shelf, and I, I'm not going to read them again. So, I've started uh, selling them on eBay and uh, you know, use that money. You know, it's, it's just repurposing it. Uh, right. And then it clears up some shelf shelf space, so I can put some of my models on there while I'm painting. So, but. Uh, yeah, it's just a matter of trying not to take it out of the budget for the extra stuff. You know, figure out a way to get it without uh, messing with our budget. Yeah. And then we started talking about, like, um, Plate War. And then, the, you know, we started talking about the new books with the, uh, you know, I'm excited about Panther. And uh, one thing that was popping in my head was that I think with the new rules, it, it sure, you know, you throw it on the table, it's going to feel different. But I have a sense that the Panthers are going to be amazing. Because, and I, if they keep the similar stats that they had last time, because they had 10 front arms, and then some, and then they had 14 anti-tank. Now the Tigers have 14 anti-tank. They used to have 13. So what are they gonna do with the Panthers? Are they gonna fl- flip them? I don't know, set them up so you can use them in Team Yankee, I guess. With uh, AT everything. <laughs> well, I mean, are they going to keep them at AT fourteen? Drop them to eighteen thirteen? Um, you know, they did have incredible penetration, but the caliber was smaller than the eighty eight. Yeah. yeah they might drop them down. Yeah, I mean, I've seen things like you, you said, the tiger firepower. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's got to be a three-up firepower, but maybe what you'll see is they'll drop the AT and and, and drop the firepower as well. Maybe even go to a two firepower on it. Well, did they show it on... No, because they, they haven't talked about Kursk at all. No, they haven't talked about Kursk, uh, other than to know it's coming, but... Uh, see, I'm just surprised, like, the 88s weren't firepower two-up. Because they, they destroyed whatever they hit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then the 75 millimeter on the Panther would make more sense because it'd be like an 88 but with less firepower. Right. But in you know earlier versions, they had a better gun than the Tigers. And, you know, 
I don't know if that's true or accurate. Or... Well, the one thing I think you're going to have to watch on the Panther is at least my experience with version 3 Late War is don't let nothing get behind you. Yeah, but with the new rules where you, you know, can move... TM and... Well, no, you just you blitz, pop out, full rate of fire, and then go, you know, hide behind a bill or just re recenter. You know, every time you do a shoot and scoot, yeah. you get to set up your armor. Yeah, set up what you want. Yeah. You just, you know, do like a, a fighting withdrawal almost. And uh, that is, I think that's going to be a major problem for the Russians. You know, right now with the new books, they're going, you know, those Russian tanks are going to do some damage. When those Panthers come out, yeah. it's going to be a different story. Well, Am I getting off here? Uh, no. Is it 40? So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to those Panthers. I don't see the Russians coming out with anything better in the curse books. And maybe KV-2s or... Do they get ISs this early? I mean... It's just KV-1s, right? Yeah, I think the focus on the books that are coming out by the Eastern Front and Iron Cross, looks like the focus there is street fighting. Yeah, it's infantry-based. Yeah, and it's Stalingrad. There's like three different infantry sets coming out. One of them is the the gun, the other one's the the machine gun units. Yeah, and they're coming out with the sniper rules. Those look Uh, very interesting. Uh, It's because you like focus, I mean, seems like there's more chance of killing something with a sniper than it was in version 3. Really? Version 3 felt like it was more just pin them, that's all the sniper was there for. Yeah. Uh, just pin them down so you can assault. Uh, but here you can actually, it seems like you have a better chance of, you know, pick your target. So if you if well, you want to kill the Russian commissar, you can pick him out of the crowd and take him out. Yeah. And, and no mistaken target with the snipers. Really? Yeah. Really? No, I no thought it was just target. harder. No, it's no mistaken target, or, or maybe it's harder, but it seemed like it I was no mistaken like the, target. Role. The named snipers, you couldn't do it. Yeah, I have to go you back. Know, like I, the silly. Yeah, I was listening to. Uh, I read the, the one of the AARs. Somebody had played it, and uh, they were able to take out the commissar because of no mistaken target. Right. So, which would make sense. I mean, snipers, you don't have the option to to duck. You're 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 done before you can hear the from the rifle. Well, uh, here's the thing in the, um, whatchamacallit, the old snipers, I don't know if they're, they're easier to hit or kill with, but in the old version, they, I thought they would be more devastating because you could take out the leader and not only pin down that unit, but then they couldn't move because they were leaderless. Well, Unless you're German. Yeah, but see, I don't think Remember version three, the guy got shot, got to pick the target, didn't he? I don't know, but I mean, let's say you did take out the leader. Yeah. Then they couldn't move. Yeah, they were pretty now everybody's got the mission tactics from the old rules from the Germans. So you take out the leader, it just goes to the next guy. So the commissars are really the only ones that really, you know, make a difference if you snipe them. So that makes the, the Russians more vulnerable. Which I think is probably one of the balancing factors because I think the Russian infantry is going to be amazing. Yeah. Well, and encounter the ability of a sniper to take out that commissar or, or one team or you know, whichever team they want to take out. Once they're out there, they're out there. Like, 
the old version three, your snipers come out and they shot. You pull them off the board, you didn't know yeah. where they're coming from next time. Yeah, but they have here, the transporter technology. Yeah, here you've got the ambush. So once you ambush, you're there and you got to work your way back to a new position to hide. So it's not like yeah. version three. Yeah, there, uh, there are some things I'm, uh, I'm glad that they're cleaning up. Um, it makes the snipers easier to use. There's no more fiddly rules to do that transporter technology or whatever. But yeah, I'm looking forward to the uh, the Russians. I'd like to see, you know, again, uh, getting back to the tanks, I don't see what the Russians are going to come out with in, Tur in Curse that's going to be new, because they're not going to get the 85s. They'll get the 57s. Yeah. That'll be new. Rockets. Are they going to get the rockets? Rocket launchers in Kursk uh, for both, I think, for both Germans and... I saw them on the uh, site, yeah. Yeah, for both Germans were, and Russians. I thought they got them on, in the new book. Well, they might be in the new book, but... That's no, that's the one I'm looking forward to is getting my nebs out of the cabinet and right. putting back in them. Uh, the only thing I can think of is the IS-1. IS yeah, so like IS the KV-1, I think, KV-1S, I know those are in there. T-34, 57s, and since they put T-34 early, there might be a T-34 late, maybe with extra armor or faster yeah. or something, I don't know. looking at the Russians is they also got a bunch of uh, Lend-Lease technology I guess you can call it. Yes. Yeah, that was in the old book. But uh, I saw them out on the battle cards like, uh, kind of like what they're doing with the Italians, like, you know, the captured uh, 25, the captured Crusader, yes. Even use uh, Stewart's. Yeah, I think the Soviets could pick up Stewart's and they could pick up Valentine's. Churchill's. Yeah. Churchill's. Yeah. Well, yeah, that. Oh, and getting back to the command cards, you guys see the command cards on that? Uh, I, I know I've seen the one with the T 34 factory. I saw it. Oh, that's My amazing. Goodness. What? And, and the joke is in Greenville, they've got a guy there that rolls sixes all, all the time. The time so. And they're like, he's going to have an army of T-34s. He's not going to have enough models to bring them in on the table. <laughs> you have to take up blown up T-34s. And just... Some but they're, these they're independent. They can't assault, right? So, I mean, they're limited. Right. They're limited, but still. Yeah, just oh, wow. throw out an extra gun out there. just to... Mike, I, I, I'm assuming they really don't count as units, because what if that one of those guys come in and you blow it up? Does that mean that's a unit kill? No, I think it comes in as an independent team. Okay. I, I'd go back and read the card, but, uh, but still, you have a chance every turn to bring in another T-34 beyond your normal force. That's that's good. Yeah. That, that would be a Stacy card if you ever rolled sixes. Yeah. If it was a one, I'd be sad. Yeah, really? Uh, I'll stay, yeah, stay on 74 here. Be sad if you rolled a one, you'd be a lost one of your tanks for some reason. Yeah, you know it's funny though. Uh, you, you've seen my rolling; it defies the laws of, of statistics. I just don't understand it. But uh, no, no, it does. It just defies the laws of statistics on the timing. The timing of, of it, yeah. So like if we were to take up all your rolls, it'd be like probably perfect. You know, the same amount of sixes, probably, yeah. but when you need a four, you roll a three. Yeah. When you need, you know, it's just it's uncanny. You know, 
They're like, don't roll any ones, and you roll like two ones. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That last game I played a few, like I rolled like five ones in a row, and it was due to tower too, you know. To, yeah. I was oh, like, yeah. well, that's just what's meant to be. I, uh, we played Axis and Allies D-Day a few weeks back, and I was like, well, I'm going to get out my dice, Flames of War dice, because I know I'll roll lots of ones there, and I'm just rolling sixes and sixes and fives. <laughs> and like, uh, You're kidding me. I got to where I hate dice. <laughs> That's what I liked about the old game that uh, my dad and I used to play when I was younger. It's called Battle Cries, one of the old American Heritage games. Yeah. No, you, you rolled a dice. But it was all strategy. I mean, you moved the, the, the figures. It was all based on you set up enough manpower against the unit, you could destroy it. Didn't need a dice to get it destroyed. Yeah, you rolled the dice to see how many you got to move, but still, your strategy came in to actually winning the game, which was I liked that a lot. I keep trying to get you to play that uh, Civil War game and that Napoleon's Triumph, which have no dice whatsoever. I mean, the Civil War game's a little... Like, you got to draw these chits to see yeah. what artillery you can use. Right. But with the Napoleonic, it's none of that stuff. It's pure Yeah, it's, I, I've gone through the rule book once. I have to go through it a couple more times. Oh, I no, just, no. The rule booklets are not geared for yeah. reading. Well, I know. It is, I know. It's, <laughs> it's streamlined so that the rules are as clear as possible. But it's hard, as hard as possible to understand if that makes any sense. Well, it's one of those where I found that to understand this, I'm going to set it on the board and move the pieces while I'm reading the book to understand what they're. Yes, how you the just got to you got to yeah. play it and then just go back to the rules. That's one of those games where experience really makes a big difference. Until I play, I had no idea how to play Napoleon's Triumph until uh, somebody said, "Let's just play this little mini scenario that somebody made up." And once we did, I was like, oh, okay, now I understand how this works. Yeah, so, so my problem is I've got to learn how to play uh, the, the Napoleonic-style combat. Yeah, all the games I've played growing up were guerrilla warfare-style. Right. And, you know, formation <laughs> really didn't matter as much no. in those games. Um, so, yeah, it's probably one aspect I'm, I'm a bit weak on. When it comes to Napoleonics, because it, oh, it used to destroy me when we played that Napoleonic War, because I just didn't understand the whole use of formations. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, it, it's a, it's a different feel, definitely, than the other any other game that you play. It's a linear combat that is uh, very unique. Which it, it, it's actually not. I mean, it, up until recently, that's that's what was used. Linear yeah. combat was the way that they fought battles up until modern warfare. So, good old World War One. Yeah, World War One. Draw one. Over the top and all that. They say everything changed once tanks started rolling. Planes too, where you can actually bomb yeah. positions. Oh, no, you're right. All right, let's cut it there until we figure out the next one. All right, we're going to talk about our armies that we're about to hit the tournament with. So, Stacy, you want to tell us about your army? 
Yeah, I, uh, well, I guess before I talk about my army, I'm going to talk about my dice because my dice roll lots of ones and twos. So Watch, you'll roll all sixes. Yeah, I'll roll sixes <laughs> in tournaments. You know, I, I've had pretty good dice keep rolling in tournaments. Keep so. complaining because that's going to be good luck. Yeah, so keep complaining about the ones. I need ones, so that'll roll over. It'll flip over to sixes, so I'll be good. Just start every game like I just want to <laughs> apologize for the amount of ones I'm going to roll. Yeah, and I always tell my opponent, I haven't touched your dice, I swear. Yeah, I know you're rolling ones, but I didn't touch them, so... But anyway, um, I'm bringing an Indian Rifle Company uh, formation, uh, two units of infantry with HQ, and I'm bringing a uh, unit of uh, Universal Carriers. Uh, I want to have that spearhead capability. Uh, also, uh, for support, uh, I want. I originally was going to bring Death or Glory. Uh, the problem with bringing Death or Glory is you just—they don't have the punch. They don't have the AT firepower that I like. You know got to have a unit or two that have that punch and so what I've done is in support I'm bringing a, a mixed Sherman unit uh, two Shermans and a Grant in one unit and then I'm bringing a unit of allied support uh, three M10s uh, that way I've got some firepower there that can do some damage against tanks uh, maybe if I have to fight a tiger I'll be able to at least make a dent or a scratch or something on them uh, and then, of course, you know, 25-pounders. you got to have 25-pounders in there. And I think that uh, that's pretty much my force right there. I, I shortened it up. Like I said, originally I was going to bring Death or Glory and some infantry, uh, but I did have to sacrifice my Piot cards. I don't have Piots in my infantry, but, uh, you know, having those uh, AT guns there, that's, that's going to help. So... Um, that, that's pretty much it. I'm just going to have to get moving and um, do a uh, uh, make sure I keep the force moving and, and have some objectives to put pressure on and, and, and just see how it works out. Well, my force is similar. Um, like I said, I brought two formations. I'm going to have an Indian Motor Company with two small platoons. And I actually put the boys' anti-tank on my Universal Carriers. Um, and I put sticky bombs on one of the platoons. And then I've got a Crusader company with a cavalry commander on... Well, I've got the HQ filled up. And I put the cavalry commander on the first platoon that just has Crusader 2s. Uh, I think cavalry commander with Crusader 3s is just kind of defeats a purpose. And it also saves you points. You know, the two points I took off of the uh, Crusader 3s... I can get Cavalry Commander and then throw the point onto the Universal Carriers. And then I got a platoon of Grants just to give me some extra punch, like Stacy was talking about, dealing with bigger tanks. Um, you know, they're my main battle tanks, whereas the others are probably going to flank. And then in support, I've got 25-pounders, of course, best guns in the game. And just in case of a Tiger or something big that my Grants can't deal with, I've got two 17-pounders. Uh, I don't think they're that great. I don't think they're that useful. But you need something like the I couldn't afford the M10s. They're just too expensive. So I threw in those 17 pounders just in hopes that they can maybe limit part of the board. Uh, just cut off where those the Tiger or the big tanks, Churchills can't go, and um, just try to deal with it maybe with sticky bombs or something. 
And then I've got Hurricanes, which I love Hurricanes. Probably will never come in an entire day today, but <laughs> but uh, I think the Hurricanes are, are just an awesome plane to have. So I threw them in there. And uh, my main strategy is uh, uh, probably be on defense quite a bit, I'm imagining, and hold the objectives with my infantry, and then uh, my tanks, all my armor units, total out to the exact uh, amount for the reserves and so I'll have my planes, my guns, my infantry on the board and then if I need reserves I've got all those tanks coming in to help me out and um, I think having two formations is really important because if you lose one you're still in the game so if you just rely on one formation I think you're you know there's a there's a pressure point where you can get knocked out pretty easy. Uh, bad things start going against you. Dan, what do you got? I got the Italians. Nice. Uh, yeah, I got uh, Mr. Luigi leading up the case of the HQ. I have uh, some M14s being led by uh, Bruno, and I have uh, two groups of Simavantes. Uh, they're little one point. For my support, I got the little one-point uh, support tanks. Uh, I forget what they're called. The, the 39s? Yeah, they're there to get the spearhead in and die. And that's pretty much what they're there for. <laughs> and then uh, I got the captured 25-pounders. Yes. And we'll see how that goes, what may. For anti-armor, I'm going to just try to avoid them. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, uh, like a big tank, like a tiger? Yeah, well, I don't think I really Yeah, if somebody tired. runs Churchill's, you yeah, might be in a little bit of trouble. If I see a Churchill... Because you got no Lancias, no 88s, no Stukas. Nothing. I'm just going to try to... I'm just going to... It's a tactic I had in Warhammer before. It's like, you know, when there's this big thing on the field, what do you do? Well, I'll try to avoid it and hit the target. Because it, it'll work sometimes. I'm telling you, somebody's bringing Churchill's. Oh, yeah. Now, it's only... What? Two... Allies and two axes. We know one of the axes is probably going to be light tanks and reconnaissance. Yep. But that's axes. We know nothing about the other allied players. Right. Uh, I'm telling you, somebody's going to have Churchill's. Yeah, uh, that's going to be a problem. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. There's actually two more allied players. There's four allied yeah. and three axes now. That's what I was saying. Yeah, it's well, a two well, eight. The thing about it is, it's just, you know, the Italians really didn't have much in the way of anti-anything, but they got some good speed to them, and they can try to get them to a target and maybe faint the person out a little bit, and it'll work occasionally. Well, the Semivantes are just so useful. Yeah. They uh, they get in there. They can get in close, and the machine guns are great on the, like, I've never seen nothing made better machine guns than well, that's uh, the M14s. Uh, yeah, the M14s. And the Simavantes, they only have, like, instead of four shots, they get a three with the machine guns right there. And they're just really, I'm just putting my faith in my troops and let's just try to avoid any of the big turtles on the field. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I think it's a lot easier to deal with the Tiger than it is dealing with Churchill's one reason why I'm glad I'm on the Allies 
Broncos. I'd hate to try to deal with, with Churchill's on the board. You've got to break them. They're, unless they take them in support, they could take them as a, a formation yeah. or part of a formation. Yeah. You can't avoid them. You're going to have to deal with them. Whereas a Tiger, for instance, somebody comes at me with a Tiger today, I'm not even paying attention to it. <laughs> yeah. You know, whatever it does, it does. You know, maybe, well, hopefully I'll get my 17-pounders to try to deal with it. But other than that, I'm, I'm not even going to try to deal with it. The reason I didn't take Delancey's is because they, I found this out playing them a couple weeks ago. It's like, they can't ambush. There's no ambush involved because they're huge guns. But they can move. But they're very limited in some ways at the... 88s, they're really good, but they have no front shield. Yeah, but you can dig them in. Yeah, but yeah. And they got turntables. Turntables, yeah. Turn. <laughs> yeah. They got turntables. We'll poke at those guys. <laughs> it's not the rules. I don't see it. <laughs> and I did bring two 88s if I could maybe switch out if I need to, but you know, it's not like a. So I don't know how this tournament is structured. It's my first Flames of War tournament, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah, that's another thing. It's a, you know, Stacy, what's your experience with tournaments? What, what have you done? Uh, how well have I done, or how have I? Well, what's what, been your experience? Where have you gone? Well, I'm, honestly, the tournaments I've gone to have been in Greenville, uh, at the store there, and uh, they've done they've run different events. Uh, the first one I went to was a late war event, hundred uh, hundred. It was seventeen fifty, uh, version three. Uh, just got totally demolished, just got wiped out. Uh, but it was, you know, it was a learning experience. I got some tips. The guys were real good about, you know, giving you tips and things afterwards. And, uh, and some of these guys are, you know, ranked really high in the, the national rankings. Uh, so there's a lot to be taken uh, from that. Um, they actually had a pretty neat one. The second one I went to was a thousand point blitz tournament. Actually, I take it back. That was the first tournament I went to. It was a thousand point blitz. Uh, you just brought in what you had, and then uh, from there they introduced me to the Skoda Fest the tournament. Went to that. Um, I, I have to say, I, I, I think I'm actually learning to play better. <laughs> Either that, or it's the version four rules. But every year, you know, I was creeping up. I was usually in the bottom. You know, the bottom five players, I'm somewhere in that bottom five. But the last two tournaments I've been to, I've been at the middle and only a game or two away from being in, in the top ten or top five or you know, whatever. So uh, a lot of learning still going on for me. But uh, the guys have been pretty good. I you know enjoy uh, playing with these guys. Uh, some of these guys I do know. I know the host. I know Bob. I've, played with, uh, I've not actually played head-to-head with him, but you know, been in the same tournaments. Uh, he goes to Greenville quite often as well. So, um, you know, overall, I've, I've enjoyed the tournament scene. It kind of solidified me into the game, uh, playing on a regular basis. You know, tweaking the lists and, and doing more than just painting the models and, and playing. So, uh, it's been, overall, it's been pretty pretty enjoyable. And then you, you don't have uh, experience with Flames of War tournaments, but do you have experience with other gaming yeah, I've played a few 40K, and it's just, it's like you say, you bring the list for the opponent to look at, and you, uh, a lot of times, you have your armies on a painted little palette-like deal for uh, the paint contest at the beginning, which does put, like, a couple points on to the winning average at the end. So, 
so even if you didn't do good in the actual fight, if you did a, you painted pretty good, you could probably get a few points and maybe hit middle ground. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, at first I, I hated the idea of throwing points in a tournament for painting, but I think if they did something where there's three points, you know, if you didn't paint your army, you get zero. If you painted your army like base colors, you get a one. If you painted your army, but it's not going to be like in the final competition of, of uh, you know, winning a prize for painting, you get a two. And if you've got like that elite painted army, pro painted, where it's competing for the prize, you get a three. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I wouldn't have a problem with that. You know, people have put extra effort. It does bring something to the game. So they get a point. Yeah. You know? As long as you paint your stuff, the worst that can happen is that somebody get beats you by a point. And if you are if you are tied at the end of the day, don't you think they should get that win? You know, that yeah. prize for doing the extra effort? I mean, just one point. It's not like no. it's not a game changer where they're gonna get ten points more than you because they have this awesome artistic ability. It's a it's a tiebreaker basically. Right. And you know, people that don't bother, they just buy the thing, they mount their silver surfers on there. They deserve to lose a couple points, I think, for kind of, you know, no rules where, okay, you got to paint, you got to do this. It's just, hey, this is what's going to happen. You're going to lose points for not painting your army. Right. That's that, all. That first big tournament I went to, that the rule was you, you paint your entire army, you get a point. Uh, and the guy that actually won, he won with Silver Surfers. He just dominated that much, and it wasn't. It was more just that it worked out. Every board worked out in his favor. I actually had to blame it. It was like, yeah, he had M, well, not M10s, but he had, um, was it Jackson's, I think, sitting on a hill with infantry surrounding the bottom of the hill. There's, you couldn't get to him. I, I couldn't anyway. I didn't have enough forces to do it. But, but the painting, yeah, I think the painting should be two points. If everything's painted, you get two points. Yeah. Um, I have seen another rule where you, you deploy, and after deployment, Anything that's not painted is taken off the board. Don't count as destroyed, but it's not allowed to participate. And, I mean, that uh, guy would have had nothing left. He didn't have anything yeah. painted. So, um, But, yeah, I prefer to have the stuff painted. And, you know, like I said, my stuff's not complete, but I've at least got it base-coated so that it looks like it belongs on the battlefield. And, and the things I'm missing is, like, you know, camo, paint the, the, the shovels and the tools and stuff like minor things that need to be done. But... You know, yeah, I don't want to go to a tournament and the guy I'm playing against has got, you know, they're straight off the sprue. Like, they haven't even right. off the sprue. And that would be stuff. a zero on my mind. Yeah. yeah. You know, you've got them based on the thing or whatever, but you may not have primed it even, or even if you prime it, that's a zero. At least clean the sprues, the sprue marks off the meat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, and if you put a, a like a, a regular base coat, like your Americans are green, your you know, Germans are gray. You know, it's just basically you don't see the faces or anything. That'd be a one because yeah. you actually got the right color. And then, you know, you, you actually made an effort to yeah. finish it. It's, you yeah. know, and I've details. Got, I've got stands too. where I've not been able to base them. The figures are on there. Figures are fully painted. But what I've done is just go ahead and paint the base. You know, don't bring a gray yeah. base. You can slap on some paint real quick. It'll come off later if you need to. Or, yeah. Or just prime, or like prime over it. But, you know. Well, I mean, I bring that up because the first tournament I ever went to is that they said you had to 
at least prime your vehicles, you know, base coat them or something. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I fell into this where I had most of my army painted, but I, I got some figures right before the tournament, and I just had time to throw on a coat of paint, and that was it, and I played with that. Um, and it was a great tournament. I, I really wish I had it totally painted up. Um, you know, I think I had a base coat. I think they were still green, but it wasn't fully done. The, all the tanks were done. That was cool, but everything else wasn't. And uh, I went as, I think, the 3rd Infantry Division in Italy in late war. And uh, had a great time. I don't think I won got first place. I got close. I was up in the top three. And, uh, you know, I was, I was going up against a couple guys that would be later known, like in WWPD. Uh, this was before they got their, their show going. And uh, I think the toughest opponent was my first opponent, but I beat him. The, the, no, I, I beat him, but it was one of those things where he got careless. Like, he just probably thought I was just, uh, I was a noob, and he thought he was just going to roll over me, and my my army was just tougher than he thought. Like, he brought his, he had a whole bunch of Panzer IVs, I think they were a fearless vet, and uh, he just kept them too close together, and the old rules, you know, the Thunderbolt would come in and do a template, and, like, I wiped out his HQ, a couple other tanks with the, just the airplanes, and then he, you know, because the Panzer IVs were weakened, he tried to assault with his Yacht Panthers or something. And I had a whole bunch of bazookas, or at least one bazooka in each in each unit. And of course, you know, you come in with those Yacht Panthers, like two in the in the whole unit. And the side armor is five. Yep. So I'd bail them out and and uh, you know knocked out those Yacht Panthers, and my Sherman started coming on the board. And the rest was history. And then, I just remember it was clear because it was my first one. The second game, I think it was against the 7th Airborne Division. The guy was very historical, very into it. Um, yeah, we kept getting into, like, rules discussions because he had such a fancy army. And, you know, is this guy in range? And then he rotates, he's not in range. And, you know, it's a couple of weird things. But then after the game, he was like the coolest guy. And I, that was one thing that, you know, when you're talking about your opponents, you know, one thing I noticed is that whether or not they were a pain during the game, after the game, in this tournament at least, everybody just wanted to hang out and talk. And we spent more time hanging out than just, you know, talking about World War II or, you know, historical stuff or gaming or anything for hours after the tournament and it was a real nice experience I really enjoyed it that's, where I, that's why I got the Blitzkrieg book Blitzkrieg just came out so I got the Blitzkrieg book and it opened up early war to me and uh, that's, that's when I first started I think I've only been to one other Flames of War tournament actually and that was in Williamsburg, Guns of August and uh, got to see like all the, you know, that's when WWPD really started getting going. Uh, saw John there. Um, who's the main guy, Steve? McLaughlin. McLaughlin. Uh, he was there. 
And then the guy that started it with Steve was there, and I actually got to play him against the spins, and he was like the coolest guy ever. Like, I understand why Steve always hung out with him and roomed with him, and um, just a real fun guy to, to hang out with. And, and Amelia was there. I think he was playing the table next to us. And it was a really good time. I mean, uh, I don't even know where I finished. I know it wasn't anywhere near the top group, and I totally didn't care. I just had a, a whole bunch of fun. And uh, I think that's when Hellfire and Back came out. So that was when I was going to those tournaments. And then, and then uh, I think you started playing, and I stopped going to tournaments, Stacy. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. And I know. You was telling me the last tournament I remember you going to was Historicon, but you ended up playing... Um... Napoleon War. Napoleon War, yeah. yeah I missed the, the whole Flames of War thing. And then I was going to go the last year, but I couldn't get my army together. And I was trying to ask the organizers some questions. You know, do you have to be ranked in order to do Historicon? And, and nobody would answer me. And then, you know, the weekend came and I, I couldn't go. And I was really upset because I, I, I would have really enjoyed it. And I had a really good army because it was just the two books. And then this year, I was like, I'm going no matter what. And then they do early war. I'm like, oh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't have anything for early war. I mean, I guess I could bring the Panzer III, but I just, uh, I'm just, I'm just playing mid-war right now. So I'm really happy to be able to go to this tournament and uh, finally get one in. And like, I've got to take his exit coming up. Okay. So, yeah, it's... Uh, that's uh, my experience with uh, the tournaments. I hope this is a good one. I have a good feeling about it. The way they posted those uh, tables beforehand. Um, yeah. I'm getting good vibes. Yeah, I was going to go to this. It's, I think this is the second year he's done the backyard brawl. I was going to go last year, and I had uh, uh, had the blood clot in my leg. I couldn't travel, so I was kind of got knocked out of doing any of that. And uh, then, you know, but he, you know, Bob. Bob's been pretty good. He's helped me a lot, give me some pointers in different tournaments. So, uh, so yeah, I think it's going to be a good tournament. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, what I was saying before is, any time I've gone to one of these, was Napoleon? Even Napoleon, actually, Napoleon War was even better. Yeah. That, that yes, I think it's. But the uh, the community of people were just, I guess, my type of people. You know the older middle-aged guys that are really into history they, they really appreciate people making the effort to be historical and take a left and um, you know it's it's a much more relaxed atmosphere yeah everybody wants to win you know some people may get a little too competitive I'm, I'm probably one of them but um, yeah at the end of the day it's it's not life and death, you know. You don't feel. I know you had a couple of bad experiences, Stacy, but yeah. uh, you know the experiences I had, and maybe it's because it was a few years. The, um, you know, the the competition never got the best of us in the end, and nobody had any hard feelings afterwards. It was, you know, we all recognize hey, it's just a game. You know, it's not a big deal. It's just, uh, it's a good thing to get out and just do something besides sit at the house. Right, yeah, it's, it's something, I'm glad we're able to do this, especially right before school, before things start getting crazy. You know, I always joke with Stacy. I say, all right, you know, I'm, I'm on vacation now, I'm, I'm like home every day, just coming, and then your your schedule gets busy, 
you know, or yeah. <laughs> then you, you got something going on. Yeah. yeah, it's been a busy summer for my work. And then, then you're like, oh, okay, you know, I've got this weekend free and this weekend. Now, now, you know, my schedule is up. Well, school just started. I'm, I'm, I'm busy now. And it's very frustrating. And same thing goes with these tournaments. Any tournament like Historicon I want to go to, you can't make. And then you go to Skoda Fest down there. It's like, well, you know, we got a football game or something. Yeah. I can't go. And, yeah, by the way, just a plug there, Skoda Fest, November 17th, uh, Saturday before Thanksgiving. I'm right. signed up. Where's yeah. that at? That's in Greenville, yeah, South Carolina. I'll tell you right now, I probably won't be able to go because of football, so. Yeah. There you go. That's how it works. But, you know, if they do, I'm hoping next year at Historicon, first of all, I hope they bring it back to Virginia. Make it easier for the rest yeah. of the world. And second of all, you know, I think they're going to do late war with the airborne books coming out. With the what coming out? I don't know if they've got the guts there because those airborne books are supposed to come oh. out like in April. And if they do a tournament, because they did it with the, the mid-war where it came out like in March or April. And they said, okay, mid-war tournament at Historicon. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, who's going to have that ready? And that's why they're, you know, these uh, guys that are complaining about Virgin Pro, like, oh, look at the numbers are down. That's because they're mistiming it, you know. The, the, uh, they should have had early war last year. And mid-war this year, that you know, not only does everybody have their models ready, but everybody's got their army now, you know, except for the Soviets, of course. But I'm guessing they'll do mid-war next year, which will be fine by me. But I'm I'm thinking the way that their history has been, they're going to do late. Well, they cannot do early war again. Yeah, I mean, I, late I will, war tied with the books. I will go Tasmanian Devil in Historicon if they do that. <laughs> If they do early war again? Oh my gosh! <laughs> you know, early war is really cool, but not for tournaments. Yeah. You know, not for big historicon tournaments when all you've been doing is made. Just, that's another complaint that you would probably throw back on the, the Flames of War version four. The way they've they've handled their tournaments and the point system and stuff, I, I think just uh, I'm not not a big fan of what they did with with historicon and. You know, having all these early war, late war tournaments when the game is really not geared for that right now. So, and that's another big one. You know, killing early war and late war right now. A lot of people want to play late war. It's probably the most popular area. Yeah, and, you got all the big tanks. And you know, that's what people want to play. And the rules are really funky. Trying to convert it to the late war books. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens next year. I'm going to say right now, I'm definitely going to Historicon next year, but, you know, there's always something that messes me up. That's it. So, how close are we, Stacy? We are 29 minutes. Are you serious? 21 miles. Where is this place? Uh, it's just south of Pinehurst. Uh, south of somewhere. I feel like we're going in one big circle. Uh, looking at the terrain around us, definitely in rural North Carolina. Alright. Alright, anybody have anything else to say about tournaments? Yeah. Alright, let's figure out our next subject. Hold on. If we have one.
Alright, this one's about controversy. And it's outside Flames of War. I don't know if you guys heard about this story at Gen Con. You guys been following what happened at Gen Con? They had to repoint yeah, you, the... You told me about the it. The points, that they had extra points, but they didn't count for the tournament they were in because it wasn't a Nationals tournament. No, no, it's not Flames of War. It's oh. pod, not a podcast, but a YouTuber that, uh, you know, does gaming. He was big into Magic the Gathering. Um, but he had some problems with Gen Con because Gen Con has become more and more political. Just like, you know, Comic-Con. Just, oh, yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're getting, putting politics into comics and games and, and you know, I, I, personally, I don't have a problem with it, but it's the one-sidedness that I have a problem with. And so they, they apparently brought on, and it wasn't even like politics like Democrat, Republican. It was just, you know, people that like to stir up controversy about video games, like, you know girls are, are portrayed one way, guys are portrayed another, it's it's this, it's that, the other thing. And um, so, and I think that's a, you know, a valid thing in the community, but she was supposed to be like the, the guest of honor, like she's, you know, guest of honor is somebody like Steve Jobs, you know, or the people that program games, you know, the, like the most popular game or something. And, you know, it's somebody that, that everybody are like, wow, you know, I'd love to hear what this person says, you know, for instance, when, you know, I'm really into sports, and I remember Major League Baseball was like, oh, we're going to have Scott Boris on and talk about signing players and everything, was, wow, Scott Boris, he gets, like, all the great players, A-Rod, and, and all that, you know, that's somebody I want to hear, even though I don't like the guy, right, yeah, I want to see what this guy's all about, you see how smart he is, or whatever, and um, this is not, you know, something that that I think people really, it's, it's not, it's not a good idea, I agree with the, the YouTuber, anyway, he, uh, you know, he railed against Gen Con for doing that, and, you know, he exposed some really bad things going on at Magic the Gathering, with their judges, and, and they banned him for it, so, you know, he was the whistleblower, and the company went after him, and not the, uh, the real perps in the in the situation. So, you know, and he exposed all of this corruption going on in the gaming. So this guy from Connecticut allegedly came up to him and said, Hey, are you so and so? And he said yes and he started wailing on his head. Like just start punching him. Wow. And the guy ran into the bar and the other guys that were with him blocked this person from getting to him. And so he punched the window, broke the, the bar window, and ran away. So, you know, it, we now have political violence at gaming conventions. Not at, not in the convention itself, it was outside, but still, it was around Gen Con, and you know, I mean, yeah, there's so many questions here. You know, what, what should happen to that guy? You know, what should Gen Con do about it? What should the gaming community do about it? You know, I don't know where to begin with it. Um, but it is, I think, a very serious issue, and people should be talking about it and trying to figure out what they should do. What, you know, I know, Dan, you're a police officer. What, you had some thoughts about, first of all, what should happen to the guy. Well, it'd be a, 
it's a simple case of battery. I mean, like, uh, if you knew who he was, and they just have to, you know, get warrants on them and type it up, that's what I typically do on it. And on the destruction of property, if the bar owner wants to press it, you can do a charge there. But the thing is, the victim has to want to cooperate. And if, yeah, well, the, the victim does, but the bar doesn't. Well, in that case, you just uh, try to help out the victim and get the battery done with the bar. If he doesn't want to press charges on it, that's up to him. And they, they say there's a surveillance camera in the bar, and the bar doesn't want to give it up. All you have to do is get a subpoena through uh, the prosecutor's office. Can't they erase it? If they do, they could uh, be accused of tampering evidence up until way. Okay. But it's uh, where a crime happened, and you say, well... Uh, hold on to your table, get a subpoena for it, maybe delete it then, they can get into some legal issues, I believe. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, also we talked about the politics with cops, that here you've got two people from out of town. Yeah. And the, the bar is the one that's in town. As a police officer, if the bar takes a stand in some one direction, you got a conflict between the out-of-towners, well, wouldn't you side with the bar? I mean, wouldn't you say well, we the bar really, wants to let it go? You can't really side with anybody, really. It's just uh, right, right, wrong, wrong there. Man, it's depending on what, you know, uh, happens with those things. It's up to the bar and the victim themselves. Like, right. like if I went out of town to, uh, say, Los Angeles and got beat up with some, by some dude and I could identify him, and they, you know, still try to do what they can for you. And, and this is not your department or anything, oh, yeah. but I imagine, you know, in a city like Indianapolis, they have bigger fish to fry, you know, they got like gang member murders or whatever, and here comes some nerds punching each other. I have to imagine it's not a high priority for them. Well, I mean, I can't say what it is. I don't work at that department. They, they honestly got their, nationwide, we got our hands full of a lot of things. Right. But... I can't say one way or another on that. So, Stacy, you got any thoughts? Well, I just think, uh, you know, for me, the politics should stay in the politics arena. But exactly. as far as, you know, uh, somebody's assaulted, that, you know, should be prosecuted through the, uh, through the law and, and whatever they've, deserve that's what they should get yeah. yeah so well i mean this guy apparently from you know all the the talk on social media the one that did the punching he owns a gaming store in connecticut he teaches like a game design class he designs games you know, he was selling a game at gen con um he's a justice of the peace you know really? just, i mean just you know Lot, he does a lot of things and you know the first reaction that, that some people have is like why would somebody with all that at stake you know if it's just some dumb thug off the street doing that then you know you can kind of see it happen but but somebody that that has a business and you know what why would they risk all that Momentary insanity or something. I don't know. That's yeah. Well, I mean, that's what politics does. It makes yeah. people well, crazy. The question, though, was it politics or did the guy give him a bad review on the game he was trying to sell? It's hard no, to say. No, well, I'm, actually, I think he gave him, he didn't do it yet. 
Uh, but he was, he, I think he just did a review. He didn't do a positive or negative. Just here it is. And, and uh, you know, that was another weird thing is that after he got beat up, he went and reviewed the guy's game. And he didn't, you know, he didn't trash it or anything. So that's, uh, that's it's very strange. That speaks big of him, though, you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, I get a, a, a good vibe from him. And, you know, from what I saw on social media, the other guy... Without without saying it, pretty much said he did it, and uh, you know you could read between the lines with his actions. You know, he deleted his Twitter, he deleted you know his Instagram or whatever. See, he, he started going dark after that incident. And you don't you don't delete your Twitter for no reason. You know, you, you do it because something big happened in your life. And, and that's uh, a that's the thing with this. Like even in my job now, the Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, I've seen more violence over those three things that it never would have come to a head otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, it, it just, it's a fire stick. Like, it's like throwing kerosene on a fire that has dynamite in it. And it just... Well, I mean, this, this guy that they're accusing that punched him, he challenged the guy that he punched to a fight before the Gen Con. Uh, or just posted on his, his Facebook social or something. Media. It's social media. And then somebody at the con saw Jeremy, the guy that got beat up, and posted to him, hey, he's here, you know, you want to go get him or something? And, that's, you know, it, that's it. It's Yeah. It's, it, you manage to, a lot of the social media is people sit there and just throw whatever's on their mouth into the world to see before sitting there thinking, maybe this is not a great idea to to think this out like it, it takes out that second of reasoning before you say something it's like yeah. an intoxicated individual has no restraint on what he says and you the same to, thing on social media you have no restraint on what you say you just sit there and well, blurt it's, it out it's, it's unfiltered um, yeah unfiltered uh, confidence courage that they, they think that oh I can do this and not get any trouble at all and like you said they just blurt out whatever they're thinking it's, it's much like on the phone I've had people in my job, I, I deal with a lot of contractors, and uh, not recently, but I'd say about 10 years ago, I had a contractor call me and threaten to uh, threaten bodily harm on me. And I said, well, here's my home address. I'll be waiting on you. And he never showed up, but next time we're at a meeting, he had nothing to say. He, it, it was yeah. that confidence that phone call gave him. It's, it, it's a, the confidence of anonymity. The problem well, is with Facebook, you don't have that anonymity to know who you are when you post this stuff. And well, some people make fake accounts. And yeah, always yeah, go off. Yeah, but, but I've seen people say stuff on there that I've gone to the layers like, look, you don't put that on Facebook. You keep that to yourself. Well, not only that. I mean, it, it's like the whole gossip thing that yeah, you know yeah. a lot of people get into, where they'll they'll say all sorts of garbage about you to somebody else, but then you know you come face to face, they have to look at your face. And see a reaction, and a lot of people don't have the stomach for that, unless you're like a sociopath or something. Yeah. Um, you know, so that that filter that you're talking about comes in when you have that personal contact. And right now, we've got so little of it. I mean, it's great that we have the social media, so we can know about tournaments like this and make a nice trip. But uh, you know, people start using it instead of personal contact, and they're they're losing their humanity. I think. Yeah, like some of my coworkers. Okay, we got a turn coming up. This one? Uh, I think so. 
bunch of my coworkers asked me, like, why are you still yep. on Facebook and a lot of that? And I says, well, it keeps in touch with a lot of my friends in college and, you know, find out they have a kid. You just, you just say, yeah, that's real nice and stuff. And I try not to post anything on there that's not like, you know, like especially on our job, we, have, we sign a contract on our job that says we won't yep. say nothing. It's, uh, we don't talk about our, what the cases we do. We don't talk about uh, bad about the city. Like you post good things like, you know, the other day we took a bunch of kids fishing and we got pictures of that on there. Well, that's a good thing, you know. Don't talk negative about your city. I mean, like, shoot, every city has negatives. And southern West Virginia has the problems that some Southern West Virginia has. Yeah. And I've got the same contract in mind. It's in our employee manual. is Facebook, yeah. social media. Yeah. You don't talk about your projects. You don't talk about... Uh, Anything with doing with work, I just and I go even further. I'm rarely on Facebook anyway. I, yeah. you know, I'll check out for where the next tournament is. But right. you know, yeah, rules discussion, yeah, something yeah. like that. But I just pretty much I don't use it as a yeah, means like, of communication. Like I'll, I'll, I'll put you see the stuff I put like stupid stuff like you know a funny picture or something. Yeah, so you had the painting table. Yeah, yeah, yeah kind of like, you know, Listen to this while painting my stuff here. Yeah, it's all out. It's, I mean. You have to be, especially when you're in, like, you know, certain jobs, and, and, and my profession has been one of them. I've, I've had this everywhere I've gone, is you have a uh, conduct policy you have to follow. Yeah. And, 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 That's a good thing. Yeah. And like I said, the social media is one of those things you have to be careful of. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, these, these are, you know, totally agree with, but question still stands what do you what do you do with Gen Con you know, does Gen Con have a responsibility here to deal with this guy you know he's got a table he's promoting a game well one thing is it's where it happened outside the con itself they can really yeah. just claim no responsibility for it in general yes yeah. but the guy is in yeah it, it's uh, he's in there it's yeah it's kind of like a football player that gets out of whack at a bar they they really can't punish him in the game, but they can, you know, they, they it looks bad on him, and people know that. And where he's trying to sell stuff, I think that'll affect him enough as it is there. And even if he goes back to Gen Con. Well, that's the thing. It's not just some random guy. I mean, he's he's got something at stake at Gen yeah. Con, and he still goes out and does this. Yeah, he he's going to face his punishment that way, really. And as the con itself, I don't think it should have a responsibility in it where it happened outside the con. Inside, he's hurt himself. Like a lot of times when these things happen, especially on social media, the person never recovers, and you never hear from them again at mm. in anything. Mm. And so it's it'll do it. It'll work itself out in the long run. Kind of like you know if you if you're like a, a sheep or something, you go running through the jungle. If you sit there and make enough noise, something's going to eat you. It's about the same with social media. You're running through the jungle, and if you make enough noise, something will eat you. Like, your business will go under. Like, people's like, well, I don't want to deal with him. You saw what he done on social media. Right. It's... Yeah, but, I mean, that, I don't know, because if I was running Gen Con, I, this is what I'd be worried about, that people are so upset about this guy being in the con that they bring a protest into the con. That's not good for the con. If they bring the protest into the con, that's when they should act on it. But, we're, but, we're, but then they're going to take out the protesters? 
No, not really take out the protesters. Like, you know, like... That's what uh, they're going to do. Not like, you know, take them out, like, you know, and throw them in jail. Like, you know, just tell them to leave and stuff. It's, yeah, but I mean, you're pro protesting the people that are trying to combat this, yeah. this heinous act that doesn't seem fair. They're yeah. really... The legal leader is really nothing fair about any of them. It's where it happened outside, Gen Con can claim, in a sense, like, legally it didn't happen at their premises, so they're not responsible is what they're going to look at. Well, I understand that, you know, they're not yeah. responsible to the guy that got beat up. You know, they, they, their security but, I mean, has nothing the, to do with it. The guy himself, but for future they, reference, they could, if you've uh, got a violent person in your con, you know that there's violence. They could probably... I would be hesitant to keep that guy in there. Even if they kept them there, put them in, not in the main place, put them in the back wall or something, you know, just have an idea that this guy has issues like that. And if he would show, like, you know, a change in his attitude and stuff, that might help it, but... I would think at least a year suspension. Oh, yeah. Time, you know? I suspect, like, I'd agree to that. Now, assuming the guy did it, I mean... Yeah, they, you'd they, have to prove it in the court of law, yeah. Well, but, I don't think they need to prove it in court of law for the Gen Con to react... But, you know, give him some sort of warning. Give him, you know, talk to the guy, you know, talk to the guy that got hurt and just say, look, we're, we're looking into it. it. It just seems like they're not and it, and taking it seriously. And you'd also have to ask the guy that got hurt is like, what would you, what would he think is appropriate or what would he want to make a big deal of it? Like sometimes you meet, well, even victims, it's like, you know, this happened and they, well, they got reformations and they, they don't want to talk about it. Cause what, it's like, you're a cop. Yeah. Let's say Stacy beats me up. Okay. I get a restraining order on him. Yes. I can get that just by alleging it, right? Yeah. I don't have to prove anything in court. Yeah. So what if this guy that got beat up puts a restraining order on that guy and goes to the con? They're both there. What happens? Well, we're with a restraining order process, you could put in there that he could not see you at any events that you're scheduled for. And as long as that's in advance... Yeah, that could be taken care of, but if it's not in there, you could always claim, like, well, I didn't know he was going to be there, or something like that. And where it's an internet thing, it adds to another aspect of the complexity. Well, so let's say it's next year's Gen Con. Mm -hmm. This guy that does games, he rents a ticket. You know, the, the vendors and everything, they get organized first. Then they start selling tickets. So the guy that, that did the beating up, well, you know, sets up his table. He's ready to go, and then they start selling tickets, and the guy that got beat up buys his ticket. He has a restraining order. What happens? It's, if he goes near him, and, like, it, a lot of cases, like, that's, like, say, if you meet the guy in Kroger's. Yeah. Like, uh... Like, the chance... The, the chance meeting comes in, it depends on what that guy does at that point. If he still goes to escalate something, yes, he's going to get arrested, and all this is going to happen. But in, if he sees it like, whoa, he's here, i got to leave, and then he goes away, there's no foul no foul on that because it's like, oh, I, I run into this person. It's like, you know, if uh, uh, domestic violence petitions and stuff like that, if you're out shopping somewhere and you see this person, well, crap, i gotta go. I got to go. I shouldn't be near this person. Well, I mean, this is a serious issue because yeah, it, this guy is a YouTuber goes to every single convention. Yeah, but that's... Every single one. But that's the aspect of it. That's the way they're going to look at it. If he knows... That this guy's gonna be there, he shouldn't go. And uh, if he had a restraining order, 
but Which guy shouldn't go? Like, uh, the one that has it on him, like the one that did all the actions and has the order placed against him, if he knows that guy's going to be there as a YouTuber, he shouldn't be there. So he's going to have to drop out of every convention? If he has that type of paper in place. But in the, at the end of the day, those are papers. And it, it just... A restraining order just backs up any criminal action that takes place after that point. Right. It, basically, it gives it a, a... Like, you know, somebody gets a restraining order and they show up at the house that says, well, they're not supposed to be there, but they left. And it says, well, they're showing good faith that they're trying to maintain it. But if they act on it, that gives you a base to say when the restraining order was in place, he still acted on it. It could be more serious of a fine or serious jail time. All right, so let's say Jeremy shows up at the con. This guy's uh -huh. got a table. Uh -huh. He doesn't leave. And then what happens next? It depends on the size of the con. Like if they're opposite. It's, a big, it's the biggest one. Yeah, if it's, it's like opposite ends of the whole con, it's probably not going to amount to nothing. Yeah, Jeremy's going to be roaming all over. If he's roaming all over? He doesn't have a table. He's it, going to reviewing every single game he can get his hands on. Honestly, it's it's out. It's, it is more of a lawyer question than a police question. I go by the thing. Is, was well, I mean, if Jeremy calls you up and says, hey, this guy, I've got a restraining order, is here at the con. I'd tell do something. Well, I, I'd be like, is it? Does he have his table set up? Did the con let him in? Yeah. In that case, I'd be like, you know, as long as he doesn't go around you and you don't go around him, that's how it's going to be. You know, it's yeah, the restraining order's there, but it's not like you know, you're not like a. There's not a a bubble around you that if he can't. If you're bringing yourself into his area, like that he had set up, you're putting yourself at that risk in a way. Yeah, it's... So it, the restraining order means nothing. Yeah, if, if you're looking to break your own restraining order, like, that, that happens sometimes with domestics. Like, the girl gets a restraining order against a guy. The next week, you see him riding around together. And I'm like, well, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, but that's not what's happening here. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's kind of not... Yeah, but the kind of the same deal. It's like, you know, you both go to the con together. If you know he has a table here, it just... The guy's trying to make a business, I guess. This is in my sense. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know this aspect. Right. If the other guy comes out and tries to go to your area, that's violating the restraining order. If he stays right. at his table, doesn't leave his table, and makes it known I'm not yeah, I mean, if it was reversed, let's say the guy that got beat up has tables. He gets a restraining order, then that guy cannot go to the con. Yes. He can't but go. since he has his own table, he can get away with it. In a, in a way, but I mean, like, I, I don't know the restrictions of the state it's in. Straight through on this light. But it's a, like I said. Make an immediate place. You gotta, yeah, it's, but I mean, it's not. Let's see here. I'm not a lawyer on this aspect. It's getting into the realm of laws of states and everything else. But I mean, in general, as a policeman, if I get called to a scene and somebody's there that has a restraining order, if the guy that had the restraining order is going up to the guy that had a table set up in advance that was allowed there by the con. Mm -hmm. As long as he didn't leave his table, he's not violating his restraining okay, order. Okay, so when you get there, you're like, look, if he stays over here, doesn't come near you. You don't go near we're, him. We're, we're going to let it go, but if he starts coming and following you around and yeah. doing stuff, then yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll take that. Yeah, that's how it is. It's, okay. Yeah, uh, it's like a... Just puts a little extra jeopardy on the guy, but it really doesn't affect him. No. He behaves himself. Yeah, yeah, just stay on your island. That's how it is. Gonna turn left on Poplar Street. Okay. I think That's, every town has a Poplar Street. 
It's just a messed up it, situation. It, it, it is. And it's, it's again... Fueled, Unnecessary. Yeah, fueled by social media. Like my dad always said, you know, you don't talk about politics, religion, or family. And if you do that, you tend to have a good conversation with everybody. Yeah. Right. And at a gaming con, I don't see why politics would get involved, really. Well, I, that's why I think uh, Gen Con really goes... I didn't hear any problems with Gen Con. I always heard positive things about Gen Con. Always. And this one right here? Uh, yeah. And uh, then all of a sudden, you know, you got this... The Gen Con starts bringing in people with a certain... Is this person parked? I think so. That's strange. Uh, we're in the rural south. <laughs> Oh, Monticello here. Look at this. Then you're going to turn right. I'm going to turn this right up because we're here at the tournament. And 